0: Oh, it's just plain radio yeah the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle I can fly. the body the time, the body Brought to you by JustPlaneRadio.com. It's your lucky day. Your aviation resource on the information super skyway. You got a plane. Call Just Plane Radio toll-free now at 888-884-2FLY. And the sky's the limit. That's 888-884-2359. Sir, I'd like you to take the helm, please.
1: I'd be glad to. Greg, your co-pilot, that's me, along with Captain Dennis. We are your crew today as we navigate the latest aviation news and information here on Just Plane Radio. The show devoted to the aviation lifestyle and Learning to fly, uh, we're kind of having a, a hurricane party too, I guess, as we prepare for what Doris or something, Dorian. Dorian, yes, uh, she's screwing up all kinds of plans for the Labor Day weekend. Who knows what the hell's going to happen with this thing? You know, we're based in uh, Central Florida. Dennis is up there in in Sta- Safeville, <laughs> in Minnesota. So I may have to come up and join you. Who knows what what'll happen? But, uh, obviously, that's on the top of everybody's mind right now and hard to get away from. And we'll just have to see where the dust settles or the wind blows and how it affects us, uh, you know, as aviators and and our plans that we have to fly uh, over the holiday weekend. However... You know, there are some other interesting stories that kind of tie into hurricanes and things that we're going to navigate accordingly today. One being that the president made a comment or was allegedly made a comment. And then he denied it that, you know, you could put a bomb off in this hurricane and blow it up or and and then it would uh, dissipate or something like that. It created a big ruckus. But I started thinking, wait a minute. You know, I've heard this theory before as outrageous as it's being reported and it's probably not. You know, probably not ideal to use a nuke, as uh, anybody would uh, guess. But just the idea is not is not new. But the thing is, from an aviation standpoint, you got to get the uh, explosive device to the hurricane somehow. And I would assume that'd be one of those hurricane planes. You think, Dennis, or what?
2: Well, that they definitely are doing uh, those types of flights. I mean, the, the NOAA's got uh, their fleet, and the Air Force's got their C-130s out of Keesler that that fly in and do all the weather measurements to help us understand. And what's going on with the hurricane so that maybe someday we can figure out a way to defuse them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I saw Sharknado. I, that's what they did. They blew up uh, gas. Well, they used um, uh, propane tanks with uh, dynamite attached to them. Just threw them in the Sharknado and the sharks went flying, which created a bit of a mess, as you can imagine. But it And fresh stuff. sushi. <laughs> and fresh sushi, I guess, too. Yeah. Uh, but but the sharks landed on people and it squashed them more than sushi. So it was a mess. But regardless, um, it, it's a crazy, a little a bit of a crazy idea. But but who knows what would happen in the future? You know, I mean, maybe they can't, you know, this is a theory that they can do something or seed hurricanes to make them uh, dissipate or something. It's been going on for Years or use there was a big study years ago that they tried to do this and there there's like theories that this could potentially work but you know who knows if it'll ever become a reality but you know we do have our hurricane planes and uh, what's the latest report that they actually have come up uh, well they they put in an order for a couple new ones is that is that what's going on right now or what.
2: Yeah, NOAA just, uh, ordered a couple of brand new King Airs, uh, to help with, uh, atmospheric science studies. So they're, they're adding to their fleet with a couple of nice new King Air 350s. Nice order for, uh, for Beechcraft for sure. But mm-hmm. also for, you know, for the residents of Florida or anybody that really is, uh, you're going to benefit from the atmospheric science they do to help understand these storms and how to better predict them, how to better predict their track, which well, is Well, they're out there flying,
1: uh, flying over these hurricanes right now, flying over Dorian. I'm guessing. Oh, I'm
2: sure. Speak. They're sampling it, taking measurements. I mean, they're, they've been flying through and uh, flying in hurricanes for, you know, well over 60 years. I mean, they tried things like, you know, trying to do cloud seeding inside the hurricane to see mm-hmm. if they could stir up thunderstorms, which would, you know, cause so much activity as to maybe break up the eyewall and reduce some of the internal force of the storms. And yeah. Just lots of crazy ideas. I mean, I even saw that a guy that invented the... That gel that you put in baby diapers that absorbs the moisture, he was experimenting with trying to uh, put that into a hurricane to absorb the moisture, which is part of the energy that drives a hurricane. So that scientists have looked at lots and lots of different ideas on how to mitigate um, and keep the storms from growing.
0: Hmm.
2: So
1: uh, one of the solutions could be uh, a hurricane diaper.
2: <laughs> hey, <laughs> Why not you know there there's been other things too, you know cooling it uh, pumping up sub uh, um, cold water from down below to the surface to help reduce the temperature. I mean even a one degree uh, reduction in temperature can make a huge difference in the potential energy being fed into a storm
1: mm-hmm.
2: the, the downside is it takes a lot of energy to move that kind of water uh, they've even t- there's been talk of you know towing icebergs to put into the middle of the storm path to cool the surface water
1: interesting. Well, yeah. they, they got to figure out something, uh, maybe, and and maybe uh, whether it's some kind of explosive device or an iceberg or a giant diaper.
2: <laughs> or I just moved to Minnesota. We have yet to have a hurricane hit us here. Yeah, well,
1: but but the delivery system, uh, good chance it could be a, some kind of aircraft like they're using. It could now. be, yeah, one of these new ones. Yeah, I, I always wonder, you know, and you see the reports a lot of times. You know, the mainstream media will will do a report from the hurricane plane, and they'll send up one of their folks up there with the crew. And and I always think that must be the worst flight on the planet because the air is so crazy unstable. It has to be the roughest flight you would think. I mean, I know they go way up in altitude above the storm, but still, wouldn't it be pretty? It has to be pretty rough for them to – you know, get the readings that they have to have to get so we know what's going to happen with the storm, you think?
2: Well, I'm, I'm sure it's not a smooth, you know, glass-calm morning, but on right. the other hand, it's probably a lot less uh, intense than in, say, a thunderstorm because you don't have all of the thermal lifting. You know, you've got high winds, but it's a pretty steady uh, speed. Hmm. So, you know, it might be a little gusty, but they don't have wings coming off of C-130s going into these hurricanes when they go to do their sampling. But, uh, you know, you wouldn't want to go and take your airplane up into a thunderstorm with all of that convective activity. Right. So it might not be the worst ride ever, but uh, (laughs) certainly you would want to make sure that somebody's got a strong stomach and lots of barf bags.
1: I uh, would imagine they stock them accordingly. All right. But they got a couple new uh, planes that will do that. You know on order, so we'll see where that goes do we know of uh, any upgrades they're planning to get for these hurricane planes or it just says they're ordering water? it
2: just said that they're ordering new two new planes to you know to add to the fleet for you know for atmospheric science studies and things like that. Got it
1: all right, so we have that going on uh this weekend obviously has drawn a lot of a lot of attention now unfortunately for disney uh this is a big weekend for them in Orlando because they're opening up their new Star Wars uh area or yeah, star wars land what is it called again
2: galaxy's edge
1: galaxy's edge right so you like walk on to the set of a star wars movie is basically what it is so it's a big opening they're doing here in orlando this weekend and of course you know we got this storm off the coast and we'll see how that affects everything which i, I could put a little damper on everything at the bare minimum but from an aviation standpoint I guess they already opened up their Galaxy's Edge out there on the left coast, and they've had some problems with the uh, airplanes and souvenirs that uh, people are picking up at the park and uh, heading over to the airport with. Am I right?
2: Yeah, it sounds like uh, people are having problems with the TSA yet again. Uh, One of the most common souvenirs that people are bringing back from uh, the Disney Galaxy's Edge Park is the Star Wars-themed coca-cola products Hmm. they basically they look like a christmas ornament or for the diehard star wars fans thermal detonators Ah, which could be mistaken for a hand grenade although you know you'd have to be a pretty big stretch yet the uh, tsa is saying that those are not allowed uh, on the airplane either in your check bag or in your carry-on because it's considered a replica of an explosive device so, you know, now your kids are going to be all disappointed that they can't bring back that $5 bottle of uh, Coke that they bought at the theme park.
1: Right. With the uh, souvenir glass or, you know, what, what uh, Star Wars detonator.
2: Yeah. They but that's the cool. cheapest uh, gift you can get at the gift shop, apparently, is the $5 Coke.
1: Probably. Knowing how they price things at the theme parks, for sure. But now they're probably sitting on like five million of these
2: things. Oh, they'll still sell a ton of them. Just don't bring them home with you.
1: Right. Well. Okay. Yeah. But that that's kind of a shame for the little kitties, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. Someone someone's uh, not very happy right now at Disney. I'm guessing.
2: No, I'm and I'm they sure that they can't with reason this. with the TSA much like anybody else.
1: Right. They thought, oh, this would be a great thing. The kids will love it, and then you know, find out TSA is like. They can't differentiate the, you know, a Star Wars detonator from a hand grenade. Eh, You know, you could. Well, and God forbid
2: it be full. Now you've got a real problem because you're bringing a liquid over three ounces through the checkpoint. Well,
1: they have already drank that. So, you know, you could always, but but it's a souvenir cup, you know, that's why you get those things. And then you get to fill them up for like half price for the rest of the day. So they can be a good deal. But they're just that souvenir part of them may not work for you if you have to get on an aircraft. So keep that in mind next time you go to Galaxy. What a Galaxy
2: Quest! It's the Galaxy's Edge.
1: Galaxy's Edge.
2: Now, Air. ironically, you can get a replica of a lightsaber, though. That's okay.
1: That's okay. They won't mistake in that for a sword or anything. Nope. They can figure that much out. All right, we got more coming up on Just Plain
0: Radio. Stay close. Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Imagine traveling twice as fast as you can drive. just plain radio the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle
3: what's rattling back there uh well i don't i don't know what this thing is my controls roger that does that tow bar come loose well i don't know is is this is this the tow bar yeah, that's it oh, sorry, no, bag. No, sorry. No, i'm sorry i got it sorry, i got sorry. it <laughs> peanut brittle could this day get any better? No! Oh, oh, no! Get the tow bar oh, No, it's stuck between the sea I, oh, oh, I got it! No! Oh! Off. Stay with us, Gus! Oh my god, those cheekbones! You look like JFK Jr. Oh! He looks like JFK Jr.! I don't know what I'm doing! Well, put it on autopilot! Put it on autopilot! There is no autopilot! This is a lawnmower with wings! So well, you fly remote control planes? Do what you do there! I crash them! That's why I buy them all the time! Oh, 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 oh. I was wrong! I don't want to drive this way! Oh, I'll settle for a nice, boring death at ground level. Protect the We will be dying at ground level. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it, I got it. Uh, uh. Okay. Uh, we're good. All right, just so you know, I completely kept my cool through that whole thing.
1: This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, co-pilot. That's me, along with Captain Dennis. We are your crew as we navigate the latest aviation news and information today. All right, so uh, not only are we dealing with uh, hurricanes, Disney grand openings of Star Wars lands, and things like that, we have actually made time to interact with some of our passengers here at Just Plane Radio. Well, I should say Dennis has. You came across and had a $150 hamburger with, uh, who was it, Jeff?
2: Yeah, Jeff. Uh, you remember uh, he joined us uh, or met up with us at uh, Air Venture, and then we had him on the show uh, after after that. So Jeff actually happened to be in Minneapolis for a, a business meeting and uh, reached out uh, to see if there was a way we could get together and go for a little ride in the Mooney. All right. And, so yeah. you took
1: him for a ride above did.
2: Minnesota, did you? Yeah, well, yeah. We went circled over uh, downtown Minneapolis. He actually took a coworker with uh, who has never been in a small plane before. So. Uh that was a really good introduction. Got a good nice little joy ride uh, out over Minneapolis. You got to check out all the ballparks and the downtown area and uh Lake Minnetonka as uh you're so familiar with.
1: Yes. Well you have to do that. That's one of the, the highlights. Just the well, fact every, that you can see. Everybody to say asks.
2: It. <laughs> well, and everybody asks about it. You know, they've all seen purple rain and how you have to cleanse yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. So, uh-huh.
1: okay. Boucher, so Uh huh. Okay. If you say so. I think flying over it is uh, plenty. To deal with, but uh, he had a good time, and so did the other guy.
2: I yes. guess, right? yeah. Nobody, nobody got sick, and we had a we had a nice little flight. It was worked out really well.
1: Well, that's cool. Well, uh, congratulations to Jeff. And uh, did he, uh, you know, offer to? you know, repay the favor next time you head to his neck of the woods or what?
2: He did. He made it very clear the next time I'm in Cincinnati to make sure I, uh, I hook up with him. And he's uh, I said, well, we'll have to make sure we do that uh, on a Saturday afternoon so we can go to Sporty's pilot shop for their, uh, their free hot dogs.
1: Got it. I wouldn't use the term "hookup." By the way, if you want to be well, hip to the you know, meet, yes. Pigs, sorry, what they're saying. Just saying, uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying, Dennis. You know,
2: now, no, no, we don't want to cause any stir here. Yeah. Okay. No. God forbid it's we do free that. airplane rides. You know, that's what I'm into. Let's mm-hmm. let's go.
1: Right. So, All right. So uh, obviously we're just playing radio, but we sometimes have to dabble in drones because they're sometimes in our way. They sometimes uh, cause interference. And God forbid, God forbid if we actually collide with them. So we uh, feel it is our responsibility. And just we find it mildly amusing to, uh, to delve into the world of drone flying as well. So what, what do we have this week to cover that uh, base?
2: Well, probably the most important is the, the announcement out of the FAA about not arming your drone. I'm sure everybody has seen the videos on YouTube of the fireworks or the flamethrowers right. or even the people that have uh, tried putting, you know, a shotgun or a pistol on their drone. Um, don't do it. You're, you're looking at a $25,000 fine at a minimum and, you know, possibly loss of your certificates. Uh, if you're caught, just don't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the drones cannot be armed. Uh, it's, it's just not, well, they
1: can, but you're not supposed to do that. Just like, you're not supposed to
2: do that. You're not
1: supposed to put any kind of armory on your, uh, airplane as, as well, I guess for the same reason. But, uh, yeah, you see the videos like, Hey, I can do that. A flying flamethrower. How
2: cool. Oh, taking the Roman candle and strapping it to the strut of your uh, drone and going and shooting at the noisy party next door. Yeah, it makes for good YouTube video, but it's highly illegal mm-hmm. and, and not a good idea. Not to mention, it, it looks bad for the rest of us.
1: Yeah. So they actually had to go to the trouble to put out a, a release to say, hey, just want to remind you, bad idea. Don't yeah, do
2: exactly. this. Uh,
1: if, we get, if we catch you, you're going to be uh, losing tons of money. So,
2: you know, I don't so know. there's our public safety announcement. for I this guess,
1: week. yeah, don't put uh, firearms on your drone if you think, even though it would be off, awfully cool to do, and
2: make great video, but mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. worth it.
1: Yeah. So uh, they, they put that reminder out. What else in the drone world should we cover
2: today? Well, this one should appeal to you, Greg, since you know, you're, you're taking forever and we don't know if you're actually ever going to finish up with your pilot's license. So maybe Lies! you just buy it's a robot. Happen. And bolted into your Cessna. It, did you see uh, the Air Force has created a robot that can take any airplane and turn it into a self-flying aircraft? They they started off working with a, a Cessna 206, which is a six-passenger, you know, larger Cessna. Mm-hmm. And they unbolted the pilot seat, bolted their robot to the seat rails, attached it to the yoke and to the rudder pedals and the throttle, and it's able to take off and go fly. They were testing it out at the Dugway Proving Grounds out in Utah.
1: About that that would so, be cool with the exception I mean, I saw the pictures they they really have some work to do. It's a little bulky it's it's bulky, and also they, you know in rocket science as far as what you got to do, all you have to do is watch the movie airplane uh get that inflatable guy what's his name Otto auto, uh, get auto, and just when they fire up the robot, you know auto blows up, and you now you have a face for the robot. that's all they're missing they They don't seem to want to do that.
2: I was like, well, hey, we got to start somewhere. This is the prototype. You know, the the consumer version will probably be much smaller. Maybe, and but you'll they, have your they, own co-pilot. Just bring it in, plug it into your plane. You don't need to go out and buy an expensive autopilot. You just take your passenger. Well, auto
1: not expensive. He's just full of hot air. I mean, uh, you go into any adult uh, store. You can pick up one for like ten bucks. Not that I would know personally. I'm just saying, as an example.
2: Uh, you now, know, let we, me know where that is because I've been meaning to get one of those to set in the airplane when we're at air shows. I think well, it'd be hilarious. Know.
1: Now you know. Uh, anyway, <laughs> and, and they're always very excited with the expression on their face. I'm just saying. True, but uh, regardless, I mean that, that all they got to do is make it a little more user friendly or more, you know, adaptable to interact with their human counterpart. So it, it's good. I knew this was coming. I was going to be replaced by a robot eventually. Um, you know, it might as well happen in the air before it is on the radio, which that might happen, uh, soon too, but regardless, um, I, I I don't know. I think it's a good thing that they're doing this and they're working out all the bugs, but eventually, you know, that's where things are going. They are going to replace pilots with robots and, uh, we'll just have to wait and see where that goes, I guess. Right.
2: At, at least a nice part about this design is we can replace the robot with a pilot because they don't actually modify the airplane at all. You, it's literally bolted in, and you can take the bolts out and put the seat back, and mm-hmm. you're back to where you were. Yeah, and eventually so there's, there's hope.
1: The robot's just going to be your iPhone. You know, they'll just you'll set it in a dock. Okay, robot's got control, or I should say, the robot app will now fly the airplane. See, we know the you, future. You have the controls here at Just
0: Plane Radio. More coming up. Just plain radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle.
1: I've been up around the stratosphere at thirty-one thousand feet. I'm gonna fly on out of here on wings that you can't see. If you're gonna
0: fly high with that beer, you're gonna have to learn to love the atmosphere.
1: And you gotta learn to use
0: those wings.
1: You can't sleep. This is Just Plain Radio, Greg, your co-pilot. That's me along with Captain Dennis. Alright, we're kind of dabbling in drones right now, so we have one really good story we gotta get out there before we wrap up this uh, part of the program. And that involves drones and people. And how they uh well, they, you know, we're, we're always worried about drones and airplanes colliding, not so much about drones and people, <laughs> but this is what uh, this story addresses, I guess. Is that right?
2: Yep. Uh, it looks like, uh, the Alliance for System Safety of un- Unmanned Aircraft, uh, has been doing an 18 month long study, uh, led by the University of Alabama in Huntsville along with Mississippi State, where they've been basically using crash test dummies to determine the risk of collisions, uh, between drones and people you know, how bad are you going to get hurt when your DJI phantom smacks into your forehead? <laughs> and so they've been doing a lot of that type of crash testing, trying to determine how much give there is in a drone versus the skull. And, you know, trying to see if there's things that can be done to mitigate those designs, to make them safer in, in the event that a drone was to go out of uh, out of control and, and hit a person, especially now that the, uh, the FAA is starting to uh, loosen up the... Um, the guidelines a little bit and starting to allow uh, drone flights over people and things like that, there's going to be more likelihood of uh, drones flying, you know, over and above crowds for filming and, you know, various uh,
1: delivering pizzas, uh, deliver pizzas. Exactly. Well, that, that would be, uh, I, I guess you need crash test dummies to do that, but I don't know. That sounds like one of those studies you see advertised on TV, like, Hey, uh, do you have spare time and would like to make twenty, or, you know, two thousand dollars over a weekend?
2: Just Here, let us let us crash a fifty-pound drone into your head.
1: Yeah, well, it probably wouldn't even have to be that heavy. Yeah. It'd probably be light. It'd just be really fast.
3: Yeah.
2: That kind of stuff, it's like swatting mosquitoes, right?
1: They were already taking drones and flying drones into like uh, chickens or, or meat or something. And we had that story a few months ago, right?
2: Yeah, just to see you know what kind of effect that would have on the drone itself too.
1: Yeah, fleshy type of goo and uh, who knows. I'm glad someone else is doing it. it sounds like a big mess. Yeah, well,
2: I, I don't guess. want to volunteer yeah. for that program.
0: Or coming up, just plain
2: radio—the
0: show devoted exclusively to flying in the aviation lifestyle. Plane radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation
3: lifestyle. What's going on? We're losing altitude. I want to try to put her down at that Air Force base.
2: Hey, hang on, Chris. We've got a distress call coming in.
3: My day! My day! Requesting emergency landing! I see you, pilot. You are clear for landing. This is going to be nuts. God be with them. They did it! They landed! And look, they're in love. Oh God, I hope you'll be
0: waiting for me
1: when my plane lands. This is just plain radio. Greg, your co-pilot Captain Dennis, rounding out the crew today as we navigate the latest aviation news and information. All right, so we're back on airplanes, and that's where we—that's uh, where, where we're going to remain for the rest of the show. Uh, one story out there was, uh, well, it's another YouTube sensation kind of thing, I guess. Right, Dennis? I mean, this guy's pretty popular when it comes yeah, to that Yeah. Um,
2: David Lesh is, is the gentleman's name and apparently he had the misfortune. He was flying a, a relatively new to him, Bonanza off the coast of uh, California near Half Moon Bay yeah, and, uh, had an engine uh, malfunction. The engine quit running and he couldn't get it started and wound up having a ditch in the ocean. Um, uh, luckily with the, uh, advent of our new waterproof, uh, cell phones, he was able to, uh, record the crash and subsequent rescue from, uh, the Coast Guard on his cell phone. And of course posted to social media, which of course has created a little bit of a stir. A lot of people are, you know, uh, you know, conjecture around whether or not this was a stunt, but, you know, he insists that, you know, I just bought this plane and took out a loan for $200,000. Why would I go and crash it intentionally? That's just ridiculous. Just. Bad timing, uh, but you know, it's kind of neat. You get, uh, you can do that real time capture of your rescue and, and, uh, so he live
1: try- streamed his crash and rescue pretty much. Wow. I mean, uh, I, I don't know if I would have the wherewithal to want to do that as, as much as I know, that would be social media gold. But you, you got to think that that would not be very high on the emergency landing, uh, checklist. Oh, don't forget to check Cell the Cell phone Facebook fully lives. charged. Yeah. Check.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, make sure the GoPro's out of the mount. Mm-hmm. Oh, life jackets? No, we don't have those. Make sure you take seat cushions and uh, curtains and anything that might float.
1: But on the other side of the coin, you know, if you think you're going to uh, go down like that, I guess if you started live streaming it, then people would be alerted like, oh my gosh, here's a problem, and maybe they'll come get me, especially if you're out over water. You know what I
2: mean? Yeah, so you actually I mean? have to have an audience, right? Well, it,
1: you know, on, if you go live, say on Facebook or something like that, somebody surely is going to see it. Just like they, you know, when they film, you know, shootings or God knows what else, all that other crap that goes out there that they people wish they wouldn't do. I mean, someone's going to see it. And, uh, you know, his his circle of friends on Facebook, I would guess, would know, hey, we better go get Greg. He's about to go down, but I can't turn away from the screen. This looks Awesome.
2: Yeah, I think I'm going to have better success dialing 7700 in the transponder and hitting 121.5 and going mayday, mayday, mayday. I think it's going to get a little faster response than hoping somebody gets away from their Cheetos and, you know, decides to pick up a phone instead of watching my airplane crashing on on YouTube.
1: Well, people aren't going to believe it. Like you said, they're going to say, hey, this is a stunt. Uh, He staged this whole thing. It's just a big hose. I don't want to be the one to fall for that, Uh, you know, the joke. (laughs) So there'd be that. Uh, Part of it, which he got called out on the carpet for, I guess, a little bit, right?
2: Yeah, and he insists, you know, this this was not a joke. Uh, He's blaming it on bad gas. He said that there was some uh, contaminants in the gas and he maybe didn't get it all out uh, before he uh, took off and that's what maybe caused the engine to fail, but. Um, you know, Mm -hmm. he, he claims it's legitimate. We'll see the FAA and the NTSB. I'm sure we'll take a look at it and see, you know, what they can determine. Although now that the plane's in the ocean, it's going to be kind of hard to prove that the fuel wasn't suspect.
1: Yeah. How many views did he get on his, uh, video? Do we know? I didn't even look. (laughs) (laughs) How many likes? I'm not going to support it. You know what I mean? Thumbs up. How many thumbs down of people who liked the video? You know, I have to look at that or you can look it up yourself. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine it's probably legit. But everybody's so cynical now. I can understand that you think you're being hosed if that were to pop up on your you know video
2: feed. And you're like, oh, that isn't real. Oh, it just happens to be that this guy's got you know good social media coverage and happens to have a plane crash. Yeah, nobody's yeah. going to su- be suspicious at all.
1: Yeah. If you're looking for more stuff to waste time on at work, well, yeah, look the video up and you'll be good to go. All right. So we have some other stuff going on
2: in the world of aviation. Uh, An anniversary of sorts, right, Dennis? Exactly. A hundred years ago on August 25th, 1919, the first scheduled airline flight occurred between London and Paris, France, Hmm. uh, via an airline that eventually became part of what's now British Airways. So it's hard to believe it's been a hundred years that we've had regular scheduled airline flights. And
1: it's gone down ever since. I mean, not literally, but in service quality. (laughs)
2: Well, looking at the uh, the airplane that they used back then, I mean, it was still an open cockpit for the pilot, and they had you know what maybe three, four, five seats inside, and it was pretty cramped. So really, things haven't changed a lot.
1: Mm, true. Okay, I guess uh, you know I see some of those old uh, you know commercial airliners, the uh, the first ones like uh, what the tri motor, uh, Ford tri motor that uh, was a passenger aircraft, right? One of the first commercial.
2: Yeah, Yeah. the EAA still has one of those and flies it regularly, especially like at Oshkosh, and they take it around the country.
1: Of space, when we flew around on that thing, I was blown away at the comfort, and I was, and they had huge windows. You could see out the airplane like crazy. It was amazing. Uh, and a fun ride. I mean, obviously, it was a little on the slow side when it comes to aircraft, but as far as A little as noisy,
2: space, a little windy. A little noisy,
1: yeah. sure, but you had a nice the view. seat was
2: woven wicker. Yeah. You well, know, not a lot different from today.
1: Well, no, I mean, but you had a ton of space. You had a big, yeah. big, like, first class, you know, even it was like bench seating, but it was a, a lot of space to kind of stretch out a little bit. You know, they've crammed us in there like sardines now. So And we uh, like
2: it. We keep buying more tickets. We keep flying more.
1: That doesn't mean we be. like it. We it means we have no choice, Dennis. That's where I'm. Uh, going. Oh, we have a the, choice to walk uh, or get stay. In the Mooney. Well, that's when you compare it to the uh, to your Mooney. Sure, maybe we've uh, excelled in in certain areas, but regardless, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. Congratulations to us or to flying, I guess. Or, uh,
2: it just doesn't seem, though, that, you know, in 100 years, you know, uh, that we've already, you know, come so far. Yeah.
1: 100 years this week. How about that? Well, that's good to know. All right. So we have that uh, all on a more negative uh, point or, I don't know, maybe a celebration of life kind of thing. We have this story about this uh, other pilot who passed away this week, Right.
2: Yep. Captain Al Haynes is a name I'm sure many of you uh, probably remember. Um, He was kind of like the the Sully of the the 80s. He was the captain of the United Airlines flight. Uh, It was a DC-10 that had an engine fail in the tail and wound up taking out all of the hydraulic systems. He was able to successfully control the airplane by uh, manipulating the throttles to get the airplane to the Sioux City, Iowa airport, where he was able to make a, you know, well... I guess you call it a landing, but he still, he managed to get it onto the airport and 184 people were saved. Uh, it was quite an amazing, it was a miracle flight back then. And, um, he just passed away, uh, recently here at age 87.
1: Hmm. Well, that, that is quite a feat. I I do wonder if there's even many pilots out there in the commercial fleet world now that could even pull off such a feat because everything's so computerized. they They wouldn't know how to do that with just throttles. You think?
2: Well, I think they probably do try and train it. I mean, you know, after the whole uh, Hudson River incident, the first thing they did is go into the simulators and see, you know, how how could that have been done? And could we have made any of the airports if we tried it earlier? So I'm sure that the airlines have uh, been using that as a case study for their pilots of how will they react? You know, what happens if you lose both hydraulic systems and, you know, they with the simulators we have now, it probably is uh, being able to drill that more into the uh, the pilots to, Try that, you know, these impossible situations, and you know, see what happens.
1: Well, what would you do if that happened in your Mooney two hundred one? I mean, it's, we're not talking apples and apples here, but obviously, if you lost your hydraulics, which would mean you could not affect the ailerons,
2: and well, actually, in the Mooney, if I lost the hydraulics, it just means I don't have brakes. Everything else is electrical and mechanical.
1: Okay, but if but, you lost that, could you? But
2: if I lost the ailerons, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a limited amount of control you could do with the rudder. Um, I don't know if I'd be able to, you know. Keep it level. Yeah, because you only have one engine, too. If you're flying a Cessna 150, more than one uh, CFI has uh, said, oh, you know, you can just open the doors and and make a good coordinated turn just by pushing the door open to one side or the other if you Mm. were to not have your ailerons. And the trim, you know, on any airplane, you should be able to adjust the pitch at least by uh, changing your trim. Even if you lost your yoke, uh, the trim would still be functional. so. There may be a way, but yeah, there's definitely a lot less options if you lose the uh, the aileron control. All right. like
1: well, that. there are some workarounds. I guess that's the uh, the bottom line. Yeah, I'd never heard of the whole open the door thing, but it, that that's not in the manual. I'm assuming.
2: I uh, <laughs> no, it's definitely not. But I, I, there's been many a CFI who said, "Hey, watch this," and you know, do the pattern, and you know, you open one door or the other, and you can make a pretty decent coordinated turn in the Skyhawk. Really? Do they day. say
1: here, hold my beer first, or
2: uh, maybe afterward? <laughs>
1: I don't know. It sounds like you're before to me. supposed to be drinking in the plane. I know, you know, but you're not supposed to open up the, the freaking door in the aircraft either. I'm just saying. All right, more coming up on Just Plane Radio.
0: Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Be an explorer.
3: For nearly 75 years, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association has been a beacon for those who cherish the freedom to fly. AOPA protects your rights as a pilot by fighting airspace restrictions, fuel taxes, user fees, airport closings, and other issues that threaten your ability to take to the sky. AOPA is on the front lines every day to ensure that general aviation and the interests of its members are promoted and safeguarded. Learn more about how you can become a member at AOPA.org.
0: Take off with Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. I was the youngest pilot in Pan Am history. When I was four, the pilot let me ride in the cockpit and fly the plane with him. And I was four, and I was great. And I would have landed it, but my dad wanted us to go back to our seats. Airplanes.
1: This is Just plain Radio. Greg, your co-pilot. That's me along with Captain Dennis navigating the latest aviation news and information here. All right. So there's a guy who's trying to see what he can do for his flight path to make more stops as opposed to less, which is usually you know the opposite of what we're looking for. But he's trying to raise awareness or, I don't know, honor uh, people that were lost in the World Trade Center. It's an interesting little thing he's doing, I guess, right?
2: Well, he's trying to break a Guinness world record, first of all, because yeah. the current record is 24, uh, in 24 hours, um, 87 airports. It was held by two pilots out of the UK. So he wants to break that. He wants to land at 110 airports in the, in a 24 hour period. And he chose 110 because that's 110 floors in the world trade center. Mm-hmm. And he wants to do the flight on September 11th. So wow. kind of a nice little pull it all together type of a deal.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I I like the idea. I mean, you know, he he has a goal, uh, that kind of thing. I mean, is there any reason why he could not pull this off time-wise, you think?
2: Well, I don't know how much time he needs to spend on the ground or if he's just looking at being able to do a touch-and-go. You know, one of the challenges I've had with the Minnesota State Passport Program, where you get the stamp at each of the Minnesota airports, and then when you get enough uh, stamps in your book, you get— a hat, a flight bag, a leather jacket is just the time it takes to pull into the ramp at every airport and shut down, go inside, find the little stamp. So this guy's going to have to make his stops pretty quick because you can easily chew up a half hour, just, you know, stop in the plane, getting out and getting back in and moving on to the next one. So yeah, if he wants I don't to do 110, he's going to have to be, uh, you know, uh, touch the wheel and keep on going. I'm sure that's what it is. I mean, surely he's not going to power down and get
1: out of the aircraft at every airport. 110 in 24 hours. I don't think the uh, numbers add up.
2: No, but he's going to start in eastern Tennessee and go into Kentucky, Illinois, and then finally back into western Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, and the Carolinas, and finally back to Tennessee. So he's got a pretty ambitious route. Hopefully the weather will cooperate with him. Uh, Right.
1: Well, uh, hats off to him. I hope he can pull it off. It's a noble cause. Uh, or you know, it's a I, I like the way he's thinking about it. I don't know, you know, about about the uh the point of it from the standpoint like, well, what is this gonna do? You know, the fact that you were able to land at more airports in a twenty four hour period is what, just an excuse to get in the Guinness Book of World Records, maybe?
2: Isn't that all you really need is an excuse? Or just to show how
1: uh, efficient you can be? As far as a touch and go at a different airport or something, I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm not sure, but I guess we'll find out after he pulls it off or makes the attempt, and and uh, we'll cover it accordingly here on Just Plain Radio. Now, some other aviation news that may be a little bit more practical for everybody actually is coming from a representative from the automotive industry. Is
2: this right? Well, that's right. Cirrus, uh, the the manufacturer of uh, the SR twenty and SR twenty two series uh, airplanes, has a new CEO. Um, the Cla- uh, Dale Clapmeyer retired recently and has handed the reins over to somebody from outside the airplane industry. They hired a uh, former Tesla executive to now run Cirrus, hmm. and so it's it's kind of interesting. I I got to meet him at their uh, event they had in St. Paul here a couple of weeks back. And he, uh, you know, came out and said, you know, as a non-pilot myself, I'm learning to fly. And a lot of things that I see in the cockpit just don't make any sense. Why are we still doing this? And, you know, I I realize that there's a lot of uh, resistance to change from the regulations and things like that. But a lot of what he says makes a lot of sense.
1: Like what?
2: What is he suggesting we need to change? Well, he says, you have to move your fuel selector from one tank to another. Why doesn't that just happen? You know, hmm. <laughs> why did, in a car, you never think about it. Granted, the car's got one fuel tank, but you know, why can't you just automatically drain from both instead of having to worry about switching back and forth. And with a Cirrus, you can't have very much of a fuel imbalance. So they want you switching tanks every 30 minutes. So hmm. there's, there's a lot of that manual back and forth. Or the other thing that really kind of, uh, got to him is like how much you have to go through to set up your radios before taking a flight, especially on an instrument flight. Why are you making all these radio calls? Why aren't we just getting a text message everywhere? You know, all of that information can be conveyed easily into text and not have to talk to the controller and have them read it all back to you. So what he says makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, let's hope that, you know, having a different perspective, you know, somebody from outside of the established uh, industry maybe can make a difference now this time
1: a fresh set of eyes on some problems we just figured were problems we just have to deal with as aviators. And maybe we don't have to, I mean, yeah, the fuel selector thing and you know, the text thing, it makes a lot of sense when you just say it like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, I'm probably not alone. Uh, when I think, you know, Doh! You know why didn't I think of that? <laughs>
2: Well, you know, four flights tried to address it. You can at least push your flight plan, you know, to your panel. I mean, Sirius has got, honestly got probably one of the most integrated and sophisticated panels out there. So being able to take a text message and incorporate that, you know, into the stream that's being pushed up, I can't imagine is a really difficult uh, hurdle to co- overcome. Right. It's just a matter of trying to standardize it. Um, right now, you could get, digital clearances, but only at like 50 large airports across the country. And most of them aren't GA friendly. So, uh, you know, I can get a digital clearance, but I have to be at Minneapolis international, mm-hmm. not going to happen.
1: Yeah. Well, the fuel tank thing though, that does, that that's even more obvious. Like, yeah, why do we have to do that? It seems like that should be an easily automated, you know, uh, fix.
2: Well, on fix. your Cessna, it is easy. They have a both setting. So right, why, no. why on the Cirrus or even on my Mooney, why is it left and right? Why isn't there just an option to go to both? Um, I, I don't, I know why they want the option to be able to select one or the other, but why can't we also have a both setting and not have to think about it? Mm-hmm. If you do get to a, pl- a situation where maybe your fuel vent is plugged and you're drawing too much fuel out on one side, you'd have an option to manually switch over and balance it out if something was wrong. But, or if you left your fuel cap off and drained one side, you could, you know, try to burn out of that one first and quick you know get as much as you can before you lose it yeah but, but
1: he's from Tesla so he's planning he's from, to yeah. replace the fuel tanks with batteries and then there won't be any issue at well, all we'll see and on that note we'll have to wrap it up till next time remember there
0: is no better high than learning to fly